0: Right. One of the best things about being a Bible teacher is that the Bible has the best stories. It's not just that it's true, which I obviously think it is. It's also the stories are amazing. And Daniel and the lion's den. Do you know I had a dream last week? Um, don't worry, I'm not about to. Sort of, I'm not going. I'm not going crazy. And I don't attach to this dream, by the way, the same significance that belongs to the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. In the book of Daniel, because the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had some amazing dreams that Daniel interpreted. Daniel had some amazing dreams. My dream does not rank among those of such great significance. Basically, I dreamt last week that a a pride of lions had started living in our back garden. (laughs) And the weird thing was that Katie, my wife, in my dream, got on so well with the lions and was out there with them. And I was like, don't So I don't know what all that was about, but anyway, the thing I I was on the phone to Bexley Council, trying to trying to trying to get them to come and deal with these lions. Now, you don't have to be a genius to work out probably what was going on on my mind. One is that I was, because foxes obviously do live in our garden, like most other people's gardens around here, and Bexley Council don't know anything about it. So that was probably partly what all that was about. But what about why were lions in my mind? must have been because I was thinking about Daniel and the lion's den that I'm preaching on this morning. It's been mulling over in my mind, of course, as it should be when you're going to preach on something. So, Daniel and the lion's den. Um, we are going to be talking, first of all, we're going to do it in three little bits, and um, this, this uh, incident happens to Daniel, the prophet, when he's an old man. Um, he's been living now in, in well, it, originally it was Babylon, but as we saw last week, The tide had changed. And a new kingdom had come and taken over Babylon. That was the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And the Medes and the Persians had taken over. And the new king was called Darius. Now, Darius liked Daniel. And in fact, Darius promoted Daniel um, to the, well, basically prime minister of the kingdom because Daniel was so incredibly reliable. Now, when someone gets promoted over all the other people, all the other people didn't like it. And so all the other people were determined to get rid of Daniel. Now, Daniel is an interesting one. Can you have us a couple of pictures up? What's there? Is there a picture up there on the PowerPoint? Let's have a look at our first picture. Children, come to the front, because I've got, I've got something. I want to basically experiment on you in a moment. So if, if some of you would like to come up to the front, um, don't worry, you're perfectly safe. Um, well, so far, it's only Mark. Well, looks like Mark's going to be. Um, well, we'll see. He'll be all right. Don't worry. Um, so, what have we got there? What is that a picture of? Sw- yeah, swamp people. What sort of? We- it's a is sort of. A, someone say seaweed. Yeah, seaweed. Well, it is. It is actually seaweed. It's a, it is actually seaweed. Hey, come on, come and join us. So it's actually seaweed up there. Right. What about? What about the next picture there? What are those? Do you know what those are? You've got to look really carefully because barnacles. barnacles! Yeah, they're barnacles. Or they, what's the difference between a barnacle and a limpet? Are they the same thing? I don't know. Anyway, I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, they're barnacles. So have you ever tried to get one of those off a rock? No. They're, they're not less hard to. Well, you can do it, you have to have a knife and everything. They're really they are really hard to get. If you try and if you kick it with all your then you're just gonna get a, a sore toe. So we've got limpets and. Barnacles. Now the thing about Daniel is that Daniel is not like the seaweed. So the seaweed, when the tide changes, the seaweed just, it goes one way when the tide's going that way, and it goes this way when the tide's going that way. That's just what seaweed does. But a barnacle, doesn't matter which way the tide's going, the barnacle just stays absolutely strong. Daniel's like the barnacle because when Suddenly, he's been the most popular man, the most powerful man under, in, 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 in the Medes, among the Medes and the Persians, the prime minister under Darius. And then, suddenly, everybody turns against him, or all his people, and they say, "Right, we're going to pass a new law because we want to get you, we want to send you down, Daniel, we want to bring you down." And they know there's only one way to get him to, to bring Daniel down because they can't, they can't do him for a scandal. They can't do him for any, any irregularity in his work. So look at verse 5 if you've got it open. Daniel 6, verse 5. What, uh, so what's the, uh, there's only one way they're going to get this, Daniel. Can you see it? The only way they can bring down Daniel is if it has something to do with the law of his God because they know that he's like a barnacle. He is not going to move. When it comes to the law of his God, he is not going to budge. So, if they can pass a law that makes it illegal in their country to follow the law of God, they know that they've got him. So that's what they do. Right. So Daniel's enemies, um, they are a bunch of um, simpering, sycophantic uh, uh, horrors. They go up to King Darius... And they basically say to Darius, Darius, you're amazing. Like, We think you're amazing. They really, they're like, oh, Darius, you're so powerful. Oh, Darius, you can make laws that nothing can change. Oh, Darius, aren't you wonderful? And there's nothing like flattery, buttering someone up to make them do what the, something foolish. So they say to Darius, they say, Darius, you're so marvelous. We think you should make a new law that... You, the only person anyone's allowed to pray to in the whole world, not, no one's allowed to pray to God or anyone, they're only allowed to pray to you, O oh Darius. Because Darius, you're a god, aren't you marvellous, O oh Darius. And Darius is like, well, as a matter of fact, you've got quite a good point though, I think I am rather marvellous, that's a great law, let's have that. What should the punishment be? And these people say, oh, we know what the punishment should be, we've already got that sorted out, funnily enough, we've given that some thought already. They say, you know your lion's den, Darius, where you keep your lions. Well, well, uh, that that'll that will that will do. We'll chuck whoever prays to anyone else in the lion's den. Right. Let's just have a um, t- just. Let's just check that the lions are still alive. Hang on a minute. Um, and go around close here. Let's just. I'll just open this up. Um, so let's just let's just have a are they. You want to go in and Are you sure you want to go in there and check? Okay, I want to go in to check. You want to go in to check? I will. Well, in a moment, you can all go in and check. You can all be Daniel in a moment. But first of all, I've got first of all, I need to experiment on you in a minute, so that, so you can just hold on for a minute. So, there's the lions then, they say, look, we've worked it out. Anyone who gets thrown in there gets their shin bone crushed by a lion's jaw. That's not very pleasant. I've never been consumed by a lion but I imagine that it's not very nice. And so, basically, Daniel, suddenly, the thing is, Daniel, y- you've got to pray to Darius. Otherwise, it's the lion's den. Now, that is fairly, that would focus your mind, wouldn't it? That actually, w- I mean, I know it's easy to sort of, it's almost tell this like a pantomime, but actually, it wouldn't have felt like a pantomime to Daniel. It would have been, oh you ever heard of the flinch test? I have got here the apparatus to perform the flinch test. That. Right. By the way, this would make the most amazing instrument. Listen to this. Or the best noise is this one. Oh. It's cool, isn't it? Right. Okay. Robin, could I just have you, could you just come here a moment? So, Brooke, do you want to go first? No, I get it. Right. So, Robin, if you could just come and stand and hold that in front of Brooke. Brooke, put your hands by your side. If you had to start, start stand just to this side, Robin, here's it. Right. Put it right in front of a Brooke, right, right up to it, so your nose is practically against the, the thing. We are now going to perform the flinch test. So, the fl- you know what flinching is, don't you? Do you know what flinching is? Okay. Can you survive the flinch test? That's pretty, uh, there was a blink, do you, what, what do you think, did she flinch? That's pretty, you want to try, hang on, I'm just going to try a bit harder. That's pretty good, right, let's, let's, who else, is? who's going to try behind there now? I want to throw it. Oh, you want to throw it at your sister, all right, go on, Anna, you get behind there, go on. Do do <laughs> right, Anna, come on, face right close up to the glass, that's right. to the thing, Robin, just lift a bit higher, that's right. so it. Oh, there was a bit of a flinch there, I'd say, but there was nothing like the venom of a brother to. <laughs> oh, there's a bit of a flinch there. That's pretty good. Bit of a flinch. Come on, Mark, you get behind there. Let's try with you. Can I it? Yeah. Mark's like, whatever. <laughs> Mark, you need to your fringe is a bit long. Come on, we need to we need your eyes to be clear so that you can see the thing coming towards you. That's right, that's it, that's it. No, oh, there's a bit of a blink. She blinked. She, blinked. she wasn't even behind the thing. <laughs> Should we try it on Robin? Yeah. Come on, here we go. You hold. You hold I'm it up on Robin. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm throwing it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> <doing that. laughs> no, no, no. You know, you kids, that, You need to hold. You need to hold it because it's, there's something about not holding it yourself. So, um, there we go. All right, you can go. There are three balls there. Oh, there we go. Adam will hold it. Right. Right, so you can have one turn each at throwing the ball at Robin, the flinch test. Look at that, steel. Oh, that's <laughs> that's the way to make a man flinch. Right, <laughs> right. Come on, let me have a go. No, <laughs> no. Right now, look at that, hard as nails. Right, there we go. If anyone wants to try the flinch test later on, they're welcome to, to do it. Right, thank you. So the thing is that we have, well, why do we do that? I'm, apart from that it's quite fun. The, the thing, the reason is because Daniel's obedience is unflinching. That's the first thing we're thinking about this morning is Daniel's unflinching obedience. So Daniel could have heard the decree and gone, all oh, right, okay, well, that's it, I can't pray. can't pray to the Lord, the living God, that's it. But instead, he's completely unflinching. He doesn't even, look at, look at the way the, the story reads. It's like, immediately, as soon as he hears the decree, um, verse 10, Now when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to an upstairs room, as he always had done, opened the window, and prayed to the Lord, the God of heaven. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He just got on with it. Didn't flinch at all unflinching obedience. Right, who's going to be our Daniel and go into this high room here? I have my own flinch test. Right, After you go. Do you want to go into the... Um, uh, there's Daniel praying. Get on your knees on that. Can you climb onto that? So, first floor window. Oh, come on. <laughs> Thank you. First floor window. So he's like that. And, the, and everybody can see. Everybody knows that Daniel's praying. There's no secret. Absolutely unflinching obedience. And... Would, would you have done that? I mean, I hope so. I hope I would have done that. I hope I would have done that. But it is remarkable, isn't it? Unflinching obedience. Stand as it's obvious. Got to obey the Lord. Right. So, um, we uh, children come up because now is the time to go into the den. Um, so, we've had... We've had the unflinching obedience of Daniel, now we come to the unchanging law, unflinching obedience, the unchangeable law. Right, anyone tell me anything about the, Medes or the law of the Medes and the Persians? Who is listening to the reading? What is the phrase, the law of the Medes and the Persians? It cannot be repealed, it cannot be changed. The law of the Medes and the Persians, it's an expression in English, isn't it? It's just like the writing on the wall from Daniel chapter 5 has entered the language. The law of the Medes and the Persians has entered our language as an expression as well, meaning, you know, it's, it's unalterable, it cannot be changed. And so, by the law of the Medes and the Persians, Daniel has to go into the lion's den. Now, they try desperately hard, in fact, Darius tries desperately hard to get Daniel off this. But his people keep saying, oh, the law can't be changed, O King. Daniel has got to go into the lion's den. So, hang on, let's just, uh, I think it's time to put you into the lion's den. Right, if we could just um, open up the den. And uh, how are these lions doing? Right. Here you go, in you go. There you go. In you go, into the den. Okay. Right. So, so they're in the den. Enough talking in the den. Silence in the den, please. The um, king and his officials, they all go around with their signet rings with, you know, wax imprint. They seal the stone all round so that the stone got off. Down. Thank you. So it can't be changed. And then. They've sealed the thing shut, and Darius, you can be Darius. Darius then goes back to his house, and Darius, what, what's really farcical, actually, is that um, remember the law of the Medes and the Persians can't be changed. Remember what, what was Darius's law? It was that no one was allowed to pray to anybody um, at all. But then look what Darius does when he leaves when he leaves the um, when he leaves Daniel in the in the um, the lion's den. Look at verse 16. What does Darius do? What does he do? He prays. He prays to the Lord God. It's really funny. He leaves the den. He's like Daniel. May your God deliver you. In other words, he breaks his own law. But anyway, this is all part of showing that the law and the Medes and the Persians isn't really quite as unchangeable as everybody thinks. So Darius goes back to his palace. Go to your palace. That's under the table this time. And he can't sleep. He doesn't want any entertainment. And he thinks, he's thinking, oh, please, Lord, let the, let, the, let the God of Daniel, let Daniel's God, let the living God, the God of Israel, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the living God, let him save Daniel, my Prime Minister. I love Daniel. Daniel's done nothing wrong. Please save him, Lord. He he's, has a night of complete turmoil, and then he comes back in the morning. And in the morning he runs to the lion's den because he thinks he thinks maybe just maybe they might be okay. Right, get back in the den. Get back in the den. Shh, shh. Get back in the den. Get back in. Right. So, I'm here we are. Let's listen. Let's listen to what happens when they open the den. Okay. Listen. What's what's They open the den. Daniel, are you all right? You're there. Okay. They pulled him out of the den, which you'd rather spoil, because you should be in the den. Anyway, they've escaped the den. He pulls them out of the den, and the, the lions are just there purring like pussycats. And um, Daniel is rescued, and because Daniel has trusted in the Lord God. As he says, he's been, you can go in afterwards. He's trusted in the Lord God, and the Lord has saved him. From the lion's den. Shut the mouths of the lions so that they are like, well, purring pussycats towards him. Of course, that's not what they're actually like because, and I'm not defending, the Bible is simply observing what Darius did. It's not saying it was right. It wasn't right to chuck the f- wives and the families and the children of all these grizzly officials in to have their bones pounded by the lions. It's simply saying that's what he did. He chucked them in and the lions had consumed them, crushed their bones before they even touched the floor of the den so there we are the lion's den now the thing is let me go i need something over here now <coughs> what's the difference between this what do we got here we've got here that yes that's a permanent marker so that's a permanent marker and that's a pencil right the Medes and the Persians thought that their law was a Sharpie law. It's what They're called Sharpies, aren't they? They're made by Sharpie, you know, an indelible pen. They thought that their law was indelible. And so they thought once their law had been written, everybody had to respect it. Even the heavens would presumably respect their law. You know, everybody had to abide by it, the king, everybody. But that's not the case. There is another law. There is another law, the law of God. Why did Daniel not pray to Darius? He didn't pray to Darius because it would have broken the law of the living God, which says you worship and trust the Lord your God, the creator of heaven and earth only. You don't pray to anybody else, only to him. And so Daniel said, no, there is a higher law. The law of the Medes and the Persians is not a Sharpie law. It's just a pencil law. It's a pencil law that can be rubbed out by the real Sharpie law, which is the law of God. That's the indelible law. What he has said will never be rubbed out. What he has commanded must always be obeyed. What he has declared always applies. And he, in the end, his judgment is the one that matters. Which is why even the lions had to obey it. Even the lions had to obey the judgment of God. And that's really what we're talking about, the unchangeable law. Daniel's unflinching obedience to an unchangeable law, the law of God, which makes its claim on us, all of us, no matter how convenient it may be, no matter how unfashionable his law may be, So the early Christians, when Caesar said, you must only worship and look to me, the early Christians said, well, I'm terribly sorry about that, but we're not going to do it. And um, yes, they they did have to suffer for it. Not everybody is rescued in the way Daniel was. And in a moment, we're going to find out why it's worth obeying him, even if you're not rescued at the time. We're going to come back to that. But let's just remember these things. Daniel and his unflinching obedience and the Lord God, and his unchangeable law. Okay.
1: Daniel 6, beginning at verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and men of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Pamela, as well, the yo-yo, up and down. So, we've had Daniel and his unflinching obedience. We've had the unchangeable law, the living God, whose law um, stands over all things. But you've got to ask the question, is it really, truly, in the real world, I mean, is it really worth obeying the law of God, even if it brings you into conflict with the laws of this world. This week, I was reading in the news about five um, believers in an Islamic country um, who have just been sentenced to um, prison terms, all on the basis of pencil rules um, of their particular kingdom and religion, and they've been sentenced to many years in prison. I don't think they're going to get out, and there's no promise in the scriptures that they will. They may have to serve that whole sentence. God bless them and strengthen them every day within it. But is it really worth obeying the law, the unchangeable law of, the, uh, of, of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and with such unflinching obedience? Well, the answer is yes, because we are dealing here with the everlasting King. Unflinching obedience to the unchangeable law of the everlasting King. The king who will last forever. That's what Darius says, isn't it? That's that last bit of the chapter. King Darius, just like King Nebuchadnezzar before him, is drawn to declare the greatness of the true and living God. Darius declares to everybody in his empire, for the Lord, the God of Daniel, that is, the God of Israel, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, He is the living God and He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. That's why his law is unchanging. And that's why we can offer unflinching obedience to it. Because in the end, nothing can overturn the kingdom. Nothing can overturn his kingdom. His kingdom will stand when all the, sharpie, uh, when all the pa- pencil laws of this world, all the pencil regimes... All the pencil kingdoms, which includes the kingdom of Babylon, the kingdom of Media and Persia, the kingdom of Rome, I mentioned the Caesars, I mentioned those people in that Islamic country, that'll fall too. So will ours. They all will. Every ism you can think of, it'll collapse. Every corporation that looks so great, it will collapse. Every military that looks so formidable, it'll be dust. But the everlasting kingdom, And the kingdom over which he presides will never, never be rubbed out. He is the eternal king. Do you know what I love about this? This There's a little detail. In God and his wisdom, he plants these things in the the Bible just to keep us on our toes. Do you remember the stone there that covered Daniel's supposed tomb where he was supposed to meet his doom? Do you remember what they did? They sealed it with rings, didn't they? They sealed it, wax seal around it. Is there any other stone in the Bible that covers a place of death that is sealed with wax? Anyone think of such a thing? It's obvious when you think about it and you know the story of the Bible. Jesus' tomb! Jesus' tomb. He was laid in the tomb, actually dead, and the stone was placed over it, and in order to put him in, literally they seal it with wax so that his situation may not be changed. You can almost hear the words, so that his situation may not be changed. Now, when we're talking about Daniel, we're talking about someone who is just a witness to the eternal kingdom. This event in Daniel chapter 6 is, ju- is, a, t- is a wonderful testimony to the kingdom that lasts forever. It doesn't establish that kingdom, it just reveals it, it's a picture of it. But when Jesus smashes through the grave... On Easter Sunday morning, that is when the eternal kingdom is established. That is when God, the Father, says to this man, Jesus Christ, his son, he says, you are the eternal king. Everybody will bow before you. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion is one that will never pass away. Your law is the law that will never change. And to you, is owed the unflinching obedience of the nations, no matter what may happen in the affairs of those nations, and those kingdoms, and those legal systems under which they live. And so let's let's realize this morning that what seems so permanent and powerful to us, the laws of this world that we live in, the fashions, the kind of the, 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 the ways in which this world um, uh, makes uh, believers um, in many parts of the world illegal, um, makes us feel increasingly uncomfortable. Let's remember that all of those things are simply pencil. This pencil. and the living God can rub it out in no t- it's, 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 it's nothing compared to the eternal kingdom to which we owe our allegiance. How easily, though, we give our allegiance to the kingdoms of this world as though they were the ultimate thing. But they're not. How easily we give our allegiance to the opinion of this world, the fashions of this world. I'm reading a fascinating book at the moment, which I think Adam may do at some point in the book group um, that he's starting next Sunday. I do recommend that group to you. But I'm reading a book called How to Be the Bad Guys. And it's really about the way in which over the last sort of, Twenty years, um, Christianity and biblical Christianity has moved from being something pitiable, but tolerated, like it was when I was growing up, to something that is actually the enemy of human flourishing. That's how it's seen. Christianity and biblical Christianity is the enemy of human sexual flourishing, and it has uh, and, and is the enemy of progress. Um, and is dragging civilization back into the Dark Ages. That is the accusation. And we are going to face that if we're faithful to the scriptures more and more and more and more. And possibly until the point where pencil laws are written against belief and practice in the churches of the true God. What will we do? Friends, it's nothing. It's pencil. We owe an unflinching obedience to an unchangeable law that is the law of an everlasting king. His name is Jesus. He has his spirit whom he gives us. We look to his spirit to give us strength to live in this world of, uh, that is very confusing as it was for Daniel. It is for us too. But let us never forget that the everlasting king presides over it his word will never pass away, even if the heavens and the earth do and will. And therefore we owe him our unflinching obedience. What have we talked about? An unflinching obedience, an unchangeable law, an everlasting king. They can all come together and we must hold them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful story that we can enjoy on so many levels and yet which challenges us so profoundly, please help us to live in the light of the eternal kingdom. May we recognize its unchangeable laws. And may we offer to the eternal king and to his unchangeable law, unflinching obedience. This we ask by the power of the Holy Spirit, And in the name of this everlasting King, Jesus Christ our Lord.